In every coffee shop, library, co-working space, there are ascenders working tirelessly to achieve greatness in your chosen field. Entrepreneurs, authors, musicians, speakers, all soaring towards their definition of success. You haven't seen their names in magazines or history books yet. I'm James Darty, and this is The Ascenders. Sean Tian Tran is who we all wish we were when we were 18. After years of being bullied and absorbed by anime, he set his sights on self-development and positivity. Now, Kishan is an aspiring songwriter in the middle of a 50-day songwriting challenge. He exudes positivity, drive, and inspires with his consistency. Here is my talk with Kishan. All right, this let me preface this with this is my first time being on a podcast, but Welcome. maybe my thousandth time having a conversation. So <laughs> I like that. It's a good balance. Did you grow <laughs> up in you grew up in California? Yeah, I did grow up in California, Southern California. Uh like right next to Los Angeles, like maybe 30 minutes, 30 minutes east in a in a little place called the San Gabriel Valley. And it's just like a it's like a hub for Asians and and Hispanic people. So it's like, we have the best food. Uh, we have like a, a pretty good education system here too. Uh, so I, I was blessed with that. And you know, yeah, my parents are immigrants. So they moved here uh, along with like my, the whole rest of my family and they gave up a lot, but we, we landed right here in, I'm in Omani, California right now, but I grew up in Rosemead, California. They're like neighboring cities. Your first generation? Yeah. Yes, I am a first generation wow. Asian American. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and college yeah. student? Yeah, and college. Yeah, my parents, yeah, my dad, well, he graduated high school, car salesman. Uh, then my mom, she graduated high school as well. And then I think she did like a little bit of vocational school afterwards. She's a, she's an amazing person and uh, a preschool substitute teacher. Yeah, so a substitute, substitute preschool teacher. So she's oh, wow. really good at with kids, with kids, yeah. That's even tougher than a preschool teacher because you come in, yeah. they don't know who you are substitute yeah. oh geez yeah where, they, where are they from yeah they're from they're from vietnam oh yeah, yeah. actually yeah Let's dive into that too my parents are from vietnam uh, my dad he grew up in a really rich family like his dad was a businessman so my grandpa on my dad's side businessman super rich super well respected and he had his own company where he would oh, actually i forgot what he was he was doing but he had his own company and my my dad is one of like six i believe six or seven so he, he was, he was kind of like the, the golden child almost where, uh, he, he got everything he wanted. He was pretty spoiled, but at the same time, he always had like a big heart. I remember he always, he always told me a story about, and he's still alive right now. Uh, he always, he always <laughs> told me a story about, <laughs> just had to clarify. Uh, and then he always told me a story about like, he would always have a lot of money. And then like in Vietnam, there was like, it's like bipolar there in terms of wealth. So he, he was like living almost in like a mansion kind of thing. And like even right outside on the streets, like where he would get like noodles uh, for lunch or something like that, uh, there would be people like living on the streets, right? So he, he would have friends that are, he would have friends that are super poor, but at the same time, like when he went out and his mom gave him money, uh, who's, she's not, she's not, I think she passed away. I don't remember my, my grandma. Uh, yeah, but she would always give him money. He would always go out and he would have friends that are like, you know, from the low income kind of areas. Uh, and then at the same time, like he would just, you know, go out with them and there's just be like friends with them and like treat them as the same. And 
I feel like that level of even, even keeledness that my dad had with everyone that he met is something that like I try to embody with myself, whether I'm meeting someone's like, you know, that's farther along in their journey or like just starting out. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's one like theme that my dad uh, has embarked upon me. And then my mom's from like a super poor family in Vietnam. Um, oh, wow. I, yeah. She, she told me a, a story of when she was going from Vietnam to America you had to stop in a refugee camp for like two weeks because because my grandma at that time my mom's mom was pregnant and, and they were trying to make their whole way from vietnam to to america and she's one of ten yeah one of ten she's the third third oldest oh my gosh yeah oh big families big uh, family yeah so you are you have a big family where you live they all moved over you said oh yeah yeah, yeah. So always have, around family yeah my my Exactly. Yeah. I, and I, that, that's a really cool thing that I'm really blessed with. And I didn't even understand that I was always surrounded by family until I got into like high school and I really made my own group of friends. And then I, I was like, I was always telling them like, Hey, yeah, I have a, like, they were like, Hey, Sean, do you want to hang out this weekend? Right? Like, let's go get Boba. Boba is a really huge thing here, by the way, you guys might call it bubble tea. It's like the center of the capital of the world here uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. So so yeah, they would ask me like, hey, do you want to go out like on Saturday to get boba? And I was like, I have a family thing. And then they would ask me the next week and it's like, still have a family thing. Like, <laughs> and there's like, there's like 30 different birthdays in the year that we celebrate. Uh, so actually right, right now, like, you know, in this time of COVID, it's just like, it's kind of interesting because I'm back home and usually I would be seeing family like almost every single like four or five days or every week. And it's just been like, you know, we're, we're still apart. So that's been, that's been a little bit kind of like an interesting mix to, to be at home but to not be seeing like the extended family for yeah. so long. <laughs> Man, yeah. that's a, that's, is that tough? Um, hmm. Well, it's, it, it actually was kind of tough, but it's not as tough because we've been, we've been, I've been kind of like, you know, doing the whole chosen family thing. And especially with you and everyone in the third door uh, mentor sessions, it's been, it's been really huge to have like this online community of peer level, peer, peer group level kind of things where it's like, I can bounce ideas off of you guys and I didn't yeah. really have that much in my family because uh, I have a lot of younger, younger siblings. I mean, not younger siblings, but younger cousins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are they so, okay. So the place to hang out when you were a kid was Boba, which is pretty oh. big here too. Uh, in Florida, there's oh. a, where I live, there's a very big Asian population and oh, yeah. all day, everyone loves oh, Boba. Yeah. So, so is that the place to hang out when you were a kid? Yeah, actually, when I was a kid, I was at home a lot. So oh. I, I would say like the place that so right now, right now, I'm 18, right? So I, I would say the place like the boba kind of hangout things started when I was like 16, like a sophomore in high school. That's but really like recent. when I was I, actually, I think I had a really interesting childhood, like completely different from what what anyone would think right now. Uh, my childhood was spent a lot at home. I was at home a lot. I was doing things like playing imaginary salesman like I, I was I remember always like pretending to be a merchant <laughs> and I would I would I would go around in my childhood house and then like play with my brother and pretend to sell stuff we played a lot of Pokemon on the DS when it came yes. out uh, Pokemon Emerald they I don't know I spent a lot of hours on there uh, I was <laughs> a Pokemon then, Ruby kid I mean well Pokemon Red but then Pokemon Ruby is what I spent most of my time oh there we uh, go perfect yeah, game yeah. so good yeah so cool right and I remember I think Ruby and Sapphire uh, culminated to be emeralds so it's like mm -hmm. emeralds like the, not not the, the ultimate no, i'm just kidding <laughs> no but yeah it's like it's like how they do the mixing the mixing mm -hmm. of the of the series yeah so i played a bunch of that and 
um, even even in America, my my family was always like you know low low to middle income, never never really middle in really never like in the middle a level of income status, but like we're always low to middle, but we always got we always got by, and there was never there was never really a trouble of like oh do we have enough food our 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 basic needs met <laughs> uh, it was always just like you know it's just like a given and yeah so I spent my childhood kind of like that like never never really in discomfort never really in uh, a state of like extreme comfort I guess I don't, I don't know what to, know what to put it uh, but I I watched a lot of TV growing up or like stuff like Nickelodeon uh, Cartoon Network and like Sorry. I just recently rewatched the Avatar the last the legend uh I mean, the last airbender. Uh, it's on my list. I got to watch it. I, oh. I heard nothing but great things. It's so cool. I mean, it just <laughs> brought back so many memories. I, I really hope you do watch it. Um, oh, I will. Yeah. Oh, it's on. It's on the. It's high on the list. <laughs> oh yeah, I, dude. It's uh, yeah. It's it's super cool. Like the characters are are really uh, relatable, man. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, I mean, what other what shows did you watch when you were a kid? Oh, uh, Power Rangers. Super oh, big wow. into Power Rangers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean still a bit into power like i i just watched a couple episodes from the new season just to see what it's like oh man um <laughs> still pretty cool i mean it's fun um pokemon drake and yeah. josh all that Keenan yeah. and kel i mean yeah, those what? were like those were it oh yeah and i got the i got the i got the tail end of that too so you mentioned drake and josh i got iCarly and i got oh yeah so like victorious so it's it's kind of like it's like it's this weird thing where like everything was getting weaved between where it's like Drake and Josh and then Miranda Cosgrove was on there and then yeah. she had her own show. Uh, and then like, oh my God, it's just like one whole big universe, I guess. I always have this weird connection to, to Josh Peck because him and I, oh. well, I was like a really big kid and him and I looked so much alike that oh. people would call me that. And my name is James and my best friend's name is Blake. So we would play Blake and James, play Drake and Josh. Mm. And then he lost a bunch of weight. And I was like, oh, no, I'm still a big kid. <laughs> I lost a bit of weight, too, but, like, not as much as him. And then last – what was the last year? Last year he came to USF, uh, University of South Florida, and that's where my girlfriend goes. And yeah. we went and saw him. And it was so interesting just to, like, have that weird connection with him. And I was going to ask a question. Like, I raised my hand. I was like, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to talk to him about how we're, we're each other's doppelgangers. <laughs> And Tell how me. he's like living the, he's like living the opposite life of what I should be living or what I'd be living. And I never yeah. got to, but I'm still confident that one day Josh Peck and I will hang out. Oh, and that's <laughs> a little bit of a weird story. Uh, but yeah, talk about. Um, well, really quick, really quick. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. What, what is he up to now that, that you. Oh, man. With him? He is social media giant right now. He's oh. like best friends with David Dobrek. Oh, um, so he's okay. He's got a podcast that's really good. Um, he's like all over social media. He's all over like he's doing some TV shows. I mean, the dude's killing it. Yeah. Do you do you draw inspiration from his podcast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's really good at com conversation. Um, he definitely takes it from a different place though, because he has had so much like so much star Autumn? success, and he's been like in the yeah. spotlight his whole life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I guess I'm like the uh, the entrepreneur, low end entrepreneur. Just <laughs> the foil. You're the foil. You're the foil. You know, like you guys contrast each other, but in a good way. You highlight each other's strengths. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Uh, one day I will interview him. One day. That, that uh, would but, be amazing. 
Awesome. Who were your heroes growing up? Ooh, my heroes growing up. I would like I I, I was living in a, like a really Boston world, I guess. Like at least for me, and that's a lot of people in in this kind of area. Uh, I I feel like in general, like the Asian community I grew up in, like we were all very focused on the same things. So I just like basically I would just go to school, come home, eat dinner, watch shows, and I didn't really know that there was this whole world of business and I didn't know there's this whole world of reading and all this other all, all these other different things uh so I think my role models growing up were really like close to my chest so it was it was my mom she was mm. always like you know cooking doing good work uh and I think hmm yeah I think number like the number one person would would definitely be my mom like she she just did a lot of things and she was like the person I saw the most and like you know I just literally just relied on her uh like so much and uh, I, I think she's, she's the number one person. Cause at, like for more, con- like just to take it back a second, uh, when she was eight and she moved here to the US, she was cooking for the soul. She was a sole cook for the family of 12. So brothers and sisters plus mom and dad, she cooked every single night. She was the mm. one waking up early, doing the dishes, uh, cleaning the laundry, doing all that stuff. And she's definitely helped instill in me like that, that discipline of like just you have responsibilities to do and just do them and just do them well. And she, she literally had the whole family, like, you know, like relying on her. Uh, and so she really stepped up to the plate and she was eight years old. She's eight years old, man. Uh, so she, she's a huge inspiration in for me just to be Wait, like, wait, she's, what did you say? She's eight. What's eight years old? Was Oh, she was eight. She was eight when she started cooking and Oh, wow. All that stuff. Whew. Yeah. So like, so like the equivalent of fir- the equivalent of a first grader, basically oh doing God. all that stuff. Cause yeah, her dad was running a business trying to sell on un- trying to sell shallots. So it's like those little onion kind of things. Oh wow. And they, the kids would have to go in the, the factory and now it's called child labor, uh, but, <laughs> but that's the only way they could run the business. So she would, she would be helping out with that and then going to school as well. Uh, and she was, yeah, she, so she's, she's kept that drive and that discipline. Uh, but at the same time, she's been still kind, and yeah, that, I think that's what what really inspired inspired me from her story. Yeah, the daughter of a shallot salesman. I've never heard of the shallot. That's exactly. amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Vietnam's a different is a different world. It's it's um, I definitely it's on my list to visit. So yeah. one of the reasons, definitely the reason I want to talk to you, but the reason is you know we met in the third world mentor sessions, and everyone's just been very impressed by you because. I mean, one, you're obviously extremely positive, extremely easy to talk to, extremely fun. But the other thing is that you're so young and I and you're 18, but you're mm-hmm. so wise in your mindset. Like when I was 18, oh man, I was super immature. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted. Um, I was like, I thought I was smart. I was probably book smart. I was probably smart in a lot of ways, but I just didn't have the drive like I do now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us in the group, you know, we're all different ages. We kind of look at you and go, man, I wish I was like that when I was a kid. So the question, the ultimate question is, how did you get like this? So where did you start your journey in finding like self-improvement and why did you feel like you had to in, uh, at such a young age? Yeah. Well, first, th- thank you, James. That that really, I don't know, just brings a smile to my face, warms no, up my heart. It's all uh, true. To know that I, yeah. To do that, to know that I can uh, help you guys out, like just, just be in the community like that. Yeah. So for me, yeah, right now I am 18, pretty young, I would say. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, and definitely 
uh, the self-improvement and the, the discipline and the person you see today was not, was not the person you would see two, three years ago, three years mm -hmm. ago, let's say, uh, I, I, I would say I, I inherited a lot of, I inherited a lot of like not good habits, but I, I wasn't born with any kind of, any kind of head starts or anything or like silver spoons. Um, so to, I, I guess to take you to the person that I am today right now, like super, yeah, positive, always moving forward, the drive, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the personal development stuff, the self growth. I would, I think we would have to go to like to the extreme opposite, Sean, that uh, like that not many people know, at, at least today. Uh, so let, let, I'll take it back to eighth grade. Eight, the summer of eighth grade, I think going into freshman year, I was literally on my phone watching anime like eight hours a day. Like I was doing it like it was my job. And if I wasn't doing that, I was, I was playing Minecraft for eight hours a day. You know, what I didn't have your, a lot of fun. What was your go-to anime? Oh, my go-to anime? Man, it's okay. This is, I don't have, I didn't have a go-to anime because I would just watch and watch and watch you and just watch. watch all of them. Just keep going. I loved, I loved, I loved Sword Art Online. The first, the first season just really captivated me. And it was just basically like these, these people get trapped in like this online virtual world. And then they have to like do quest level adventures to get out of it. And it was just like, hmm. I don't know. I was like 13 and I was like enthralled by it. It was just the <laughs> coolest thing I've ever thought about. I was like, how can people think of worlds like this? And so I was just happily watching. Uh, so I would just be watching eight hours a day. I would be playing Minecraft. I didn't have many friends growing up uh, except for my brother. I, I, cause I was in this like sheltered world. So it was really, yeah, I just didn't know a lot of things were possible. So I, I played a lot of Minecraft and I, I remember I had my first real like friends and community and respect from being on this, on this Minecraft server where, where we would play uh, something called prison. So it's like imaginary. Everyone is a, everyone is a prison member. And then you get out of the prison by mining blocks uh, and you get, you get like gold and diamonds and then you sell them and you get to higher levels of the prison and until eventually you get freed. But to, to just keep going on, that was my first way of getting respect from people. Uh, I never knew how to interact with people. So literally like my first practice with interacting with people was like, kind of behind a screen where no one had to see my face. There was a lot less pressure. And from that, I, I just grew into being like, you know, I kind of like talking to people. Like it, like life is more fun when, when I'm talking to other people, when, when I'm interacting with other people. So I took that into high school. Uh, and then I, I, I would say I, I joined a bunch of clubs because I just wanted to find my place. And then I, I would really say the turning point for me becoming that person that was eight hours a day on my phone, uh, playing games and just watching anime to, to the person I am right now, personal, like personal development growth, all that good stuff is, uh, the sophomore year of high school, like October 30th. I remember it distinctly oh, Wow, uh, October 30th. Uh, my, my dad, he had a, he had a stroke. So he had a, oh, he had a brain. Wow. So he had high blood pressure and his, his body just gave in kind of, and he, he was in the hospital. He, he was in a coma for like three months, but in that period of time, uh, I was also deal, dealing with bullying when I was, when I was in a, my choir. And so these two huge, like life tragedies, you could call them, or life adversities just hit me at the same time. Like, it was like a, like a couple jabs and then like two right hooks in a row. Uh, and then, and then I was like, oh man, this is like, life kind of sucks right now. And this is like the biggest, the biggest adversity I've ever faced. And then I was like, what, what can I really change right now? Like I'm getting bullied. Like I've tried being nice to people. I've tried, I've tried um, being like, well, I couldn't be mean. So I was in this I was in between a rock and a hard place for the, for being bullied. Uh, I was being bullied. And then I tried to be like more likable to people. I try to be their friends, still get bullied. 
And then I really couldn't be mean to them or be mean back to them because I was on the choir board. So I was on leadership. So, so basically people were like, well, he has to put up with it. So that, that's the situation I was dealing at with school. And then at home, uh, yeah, my dad had a stroke and then I was just kind of lost. I was kind of like, well, well what do I do? I was like, mm. you know, it's kind of, kind of like a role model as well. And I, I just turned to, turned to thinking like the only person that can really change is myself. Uh, it hasn't been working. It hasn't been working when I was trying to change other people. Like, obviously I was still getting bullied. So that was like a feedback loop that I just looked at. And I just knew that I can't change other people. So I, I think I picked up and, and, and there was no like magical turning point, but I think I picked up the book of uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. And it was, it was a book that one of my, one of my aunties gave me, I think. And, and then I just, I just read the book. It was super hard to read through. It was just like, I, I wasn't a reader back then. Super <laughs> hard to read. Through. Uh, but I got through it and I just felt uh, a bit more empowered, a bit more confident and going through high school. Like, I just kind of went on this like upward kind of spiral and it was very, very slow, very gradual. Like no one even noticed, no one even noticed. Uh, so my, my, my whole friends, my whole peer group, they're, they're not really into that, but I started just to get more into it. And then I got better at reading. I got faster at reading. I was thinking about these life concepts and I had no one to share them with literally no one to share them with because no one would want to hear it. They would just want to talk about hanging out or uh, did you see the football game or anything like that? So I, I went to that and yeah, this is a pretty long story arc, huh? Uh, but, Very good. <laughs> but yeah, but basically I was at, I was at that point in high school and then I graduated high school and I was still reading all, on, on my own and I was going to call and I enrolled for college at UC San Diego. So University of California, San Diego. And then I picked, I picked up a book called the miracle morning, which is all about morning mm. routines. How Elrod. Yeah. How Elrod. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I went to his event uh, called the Best Year Ever Blueprint. And oh, it, I was going to go to that last year. How was it? Oh, yeah. It was really cool. It was my first outlet where I've ever gotten to talk about so much personal development. I was on the leadership team thing too. So it was like I, I got there and I was like really just excited and enthusiastic. And there was like so many people that were like, it, it was kind of like the third door mentor session group, but like the first version of it. Like everyone was like, oh my God, this kid's so young. It was so weird. Cause I, I thought that I would be seeing other people like my age going there, but every, it was like a 40 plus event. It, oh, wow. it, it felt like it, it felt like it. So everyone's really <laughs> old and everyone's like, what is this young man doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm, I, I'm attending the event. I'm on the, the team. Uh, and then it, it was just really funny and, and striking uh, for me to see that. But so I basically walked in without having any idea I just walked in with enthusiasm, excitement, and positivity. And then I left with, uh, this is just a long story short, but I left with a $500 check from a woman who heard my story and just wanted to help out. She was a Stanford lawyer. And she was oh like, hey, John, like we had, we had the opportunity to speak. And the next day she comes up and he's like, hey, have this letter. Don't open it until you're somewhere safe. I was like, okay. So the next morning I opened it when I'm in my hotel room. And I was like, She's like, here's a check for your journey. Um, I know like school tuition is hard to pay and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, she is so kind. Uh, and I, so I walked away with that. I walked away with like a group of like really close friends, uh, people that I went through the whole experience with in San Diego. And then I walked away with, uh, there's, this, there's this organization called Exchange with a guy named John Berghoff. And I, I walked away with a membership in there and $4,000 worth of like, you know, like, yeah, $4,000 worth of like being in their sessions. Uh, like at the end of the event, basically what happened was like 
there was the, the best year ever blueprint for like three days. And then I snuck in, like snuck into kind of third door my way in to the, to the next three days by asking like if I could help them out with their leadership team. Nice. And then, yeah, it was so, it was so cool. I, I read the third door in between that too. So, so then I, I third doored my way in there and then I, I walked away from that with like just a bunch more connections, friends, and like there was a closing circle and this is the last story I'll tell from there. There was a closing circle of like 40 people. No, no, like 50 people, 50 people. And then John walks up and he's like, Hey guys, I know that like we have a new member, Sean. He's like, we, we just want to introduce him. So I got up, I had the mic and I was like shaking. I was like, Oh my God. Like I just got called out in front of like 50 people. So I was like, hi, I'm really glad to be here. My name is Sean. Uh, thank you guys so much for, you know, just taking me in. And then John is like, he's been doing auctions this whole time. So he's like, all right, guys, uh, you know what? We want to bring Sean back for next time, right? So he's like, raise your hand if you want to donate $100 for him to come back to the to our sessions. And then like 35 people just like have their hand just shoot up. And I was like, what the heck? Wow. That must have felt really good. It was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. I was feeling like ecstatic. And I just thought to myself that night where I was like, okay, I basically profited $4,000. Like I'm using air quotes right now, uh, profited $4,000. And all, all I was doing was being myself, mm. uh, being enthusiastic, being curious and being just really genuinely kind to people. So I, I started just doubling down on that. <laughs> I doubled down on that and uh, that was in December. So now it's Jan, it's June. So it's July, geez, July 1st. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's like seven months later now. And I'm just, I'm just on that journey of just still being kind to people, being, bringing enthusiasm, bringing joy, bringing like, I don't know, positivity. Cause I think that's, that's so, that's so much of what I needed when I was that, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was broken, but a lost kid in, in sophomore year of high school when I was like, you know, I was getting bullied and my dad, like he had a stroke and I didn't know if he was going to make it. Uh, yeah. And he's still alive right now. Um, and I, you know, I'm just giving, I'm just giving out the goods that I, I wish I would have had. So that's, that's how I got to the point I am right now. And Oof. I also read like 50 books in between. So <laughs> there's a, a lot of reading. <laughs> so you talked about how a lot of people were kind of pressuring well, not pressuring, but a lot of people in your age group are more interested in partying and, you know, doing this, doing that. So what kept yeah. you on the path of wanting to, you know, keep going with self-development rather than fitting in and joining them for partying? Oh man, this is, yeah, this is, yeah, this is something I think about even to this day, like maybe once or twice a week. And I think there's an example, just, I want to give an example first to just show how like big the disparity was. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we mentioned earlier that like, my, my friends love just hanging out and getting boba. And there's this one time where we're at a, we're at a boba house and I was just sitting and I had my lanyard on and this is like senior year of high school. So I just had my closest like seven friends with me. And then I had like my library card on my lanyard and then they saw it and they're like, just making fun of me for it. And they're like, why does this, why does this guy have a library card? And you know, they were just doing it for fun. It was kind of like mockery sure, yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, we're all close, but they were really like, just like, I don't know. They were like making fun of me for having a library card. And I was just uh, like, at that time I was so stunned. I was, I was really curious. I was like, like, why is it? Like, so why bad? is that? Yeah. Why is that funny? <laughs> why is that a funny thing? Right. Yeah. And I was, I, I was just like, I was sitting there. I was like taking the, taking the hits and I was taking the blows basically. And I was like, this feels like low key bullying. And so there was this huge disparity and there was this, all this gravity, all this gravity. Uh, where, yes, I did want to get into personal development, but no one's into it. Mm. And I think to your question, I, I'm not sure what really kept me on the on that train. I, I was just faced with, actually, maybe I do. I do know. I do know. So I do know. I was faced with a lot of adversity in high school. 
uh, stuff like being the slowest kid on the cross country team, uh, getting hit by a car the first week of practice, but then oh. going back, yeah, getting hit by don't, a car. Don't don't just drive. Don't just pass. Don't. That was a terrible thing to say. Don't just drive by that. Oh, don't just pass by car. that. Hit me. Who yeah, yeah, that yeah. story? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I didn't mean to drive by. <laughs> that's that's really that's a so really terrible. great example, James. Uh, yeah, so I was the slowest kid on the cross country team, and in the first week of practice, basically, I was in the way back of the pack, and there was. Like I was slower than all the guys and all the girls too, but not all the girls, but I was running with like the slowest pack basically. Right. And I was like, my ego was like, I'm like 15 at this point. So my ego is like bur bursting at the seams. It's like, dude, why can't you be faster? How come you can't do this? So there was this little crosswalk where it's like, you have to press a button and then there's no stop signs, but there would be like these lights on the floor that would flash and tell cars to slow down. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah. the group in front of me, uh, I, I still fell behind, like even behind the slowest, the slowest group. So they were crossing the crosswalk and then I got there as they were finishing the crosswalk. And then I hit the, hit the crosswalk. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make it past to them. I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to be so far behind in the first week of practice. So I was running and running and running. And like, there was cars there. It, it, it was just like these black, huge blobs zooming by. And as I kept running, I was like, why is everything moving so fast? And right as I was uh, about to get on the, the sidewalk, there was this, white car. I think it was white car. Yeah. And it just sidelined me. And I'm so lucky to have been running really quickly. Obviously I would have been luckier if I just wasn't stupid. I just stayed at the crosswalk, but I was lucky that I was running as fast as I could. Cause what happened was uh, I got hit on the side, like just completely impacted. And I just fell forward and I fell forward onto the sidewalk. And so, oh, yeah, I was really lucky. Cause if I, if I was like maybe two or three step, two or three paces behind, I would have been completely crushed. Uh, and I, I got out of the car and I was like, for 10 seconds, I was on the floor. Uh, but like everything was just kind of dizzy. Like my eyes were closed and I was like, huh, this is a weird feeling. The adrenaline was kicking in. Uh, and I was like, where am I? And then I, I just saw like the people that were running, like coming behind and they're like, Sean, are you okay? And I was like, I just kept telling myself, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I did that. Uh, and then the, the person I think that crashed me, uh, they came out and they were like, oh, are you okay? And I just kept saying, I'm fine. Like I was just like out of my head at that point. And I didn't know, I didn't think to like get their information or anything. So it wasn't a hit and run. I don't, I don't think, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. But when my mom picked me up from practice, she was like, what happened to you? And I was just trying to hide it. I was like, I'm okay. Like I just got hit by a car. And then she was like, you got hit by a car. And I was like, yeah. And I was just trying to play it off. Cause you know, I had, yeah, I was just trying to save my pride, what little bit I had left of it. But um, oh, yeah, so that happened. That happened. So I, that was that was me. That was even before I got into high school. That was the first week of practice, like summer practice. Uh, so <laughs> that was how I started <laughs> my high school off. Uh, it wasn't too hot. Um, but to get back on track, um, if there even is a track, this is this is really fun. Uh, connecting the dots. <laughs> I was also trying out for the associated student body. And then I got completely rejected the first quarter. I mean, the first, oh, what do we do? We did semesters, the first semester. Uh, but then I showed up to one of the football games where basically the associated student body, they ran this concession stands. And so I went there and then I was just like, hey, I just want to help out. Like I have nothing else to do. I, had, I didn't have many friends in high school when I was starting. Uh, so it was just like, hey, I want to help out. And then the advisors were like, Hey, this kid wants to help out and he seems like more enthusiastic than the people that we already accepted into the, <laughs> the associated student body. He's like, we'll, we'll keep him. So I was like an unofficial member and that's how I started the associated student body. Like 
with a lot of adversity, right? And then, uh, yeah, to get back to the point of like what made me keep going, I, I went from the the reject to like the honorary member to the senator to the vice president next year. Uh, and this is really quick. And then I got into my junior year and then I was also like, I was running the school assemblies and then the next, and then the next, uh, the next semester, right before my senior year, I, I was rejected again. <laughs> and I was like, how could I be rejected after all that, all, all that word, right? Got rejected again. But then I decided to run for president and I ran with my best friend. Uh, I ran with my best friend and we were doing president, vice president. So I was president and I got, I got the position. Right. And it was like a pretty heated, heated race. Cause I was running against my other friends. Uh, so, but we all wanted to win. So I got that position and I think really what really kept me going to be like the person to, like the self growth kind of person and inspirational and, and all that good stuff is that I, I saw the associated student body and it was like super corrupt when I first got into high school. Mm. Like the people would always be playing favoritism. Like people would be like, Oh, all these, all of this like stuff where it's like, it's like a, it was a status symbol. It was definitely a status symbol. So everyone would be trying to keep that or give it to their friends and like all this nepotism, all this negativity. And so I was like, I want to turn it around. I want to turn my school around. Uh, and so basically I got in there and then I just did it. I just kicked ass with, with like planning our school dances with inclusivity. That was one of the main running points. The main points I ran on was, which was like, our school is too divided where it's too clicky. It's too clicky. So mm. I, I wanted to make it more inclusive and we did get that. Uh, we, I went from basically like having dances. Well, dances were a big thing at my school. So it was like, we had dances that were like dwindling in attendance, but I, the dances I coordinated, like we skyrocketed our sales. Like one of our winter formal ball events, uh, we went from like 200 sales or 300 sales, no 200 sales like the year before to like 350 and people still wanted tickets, but we didn't have enough capacity. So we really turned it around. And that was like the entrepreneurial journey of myself. And at the same time, my, my high school advisor was always like, Sean, everyone's looking up to you. You got to make sure you're, you're doing the right things. Cause a lot of the people before they, they were just the wrong role models mm. and that's who everyone looks up to. So I, I literally had the mantle of I'm the person that everyone looks up to. But at the same time, I didn't come from a, a place of privilege. I didn't come from a place of like, Oh, I have everything or you, Oh, you should be me. I just came from a place of like, I'm getting better. And I expect everyone else who's working with me, not under me, but working with me to just do that too. So that's, that's one of the big reasons why I kept going with the self-growth kind of journey. It felt like the right thing to do. It felt like no one else was going to take step up and take the responsibility of being the person that people could look up to. So I just did it. <laughs> and yeah, that. and that was, that was that. Man, I love that. And you, you're not trying to change anybody, which is one thing that people have a hard time with is that they say hey you should read this you should do this you should do this people are pretty uh defensive about that but with you it sounded like hey i'm gonna lead by example i'm gonna show you guys what i've learned and then you guys should yeah. you guys can do as you please but this is the level i'm yeah. gonna be working on you guys work on whatever you can but that's, that's so great, great man so uh Wait, i need to jump back in i need to jump back in i love yeah. that you said I can't believe I didn't say this because yeah, that was what I was, that was running through my head. Lead by example, this that whole time in high school and the really funny, ironic kind of full circle kind of story about it now is that my friends that were making fun of me, you know, for having the keychains. Now they're asking me for my book recommendations. They're asking yes. me for like tips and personal growth kind of stuff. So it's like, it's really full circle. Uh, and I'm really glad I got on that track when I did 
because now like even I'm still not coming at it from like a preachy point of perspective. I'm just saying like, here's what worked for me. Try it out. And yeah. I'm really glad that they came around. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just really funny. Like a lot of things that I knew as a kid, they just get completely turned around. Um, yeah, I, I full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mention this earlier, but I was also thought of as the, the troubled kid. You know, uh, I, was, I had anger issues when I was a kid. Uh, and it was just exacerbated by like my whole family where it's like, we just didn't talk about issues. We just didn't. So I, I had to deal with my loneliness myself. I had to deal with my anger myself. And I didn't find a way to deal with it until, yeah, I just worked on the self-growth. I worked on myself. So that was, yeah, I think that's also a really big, a really big drive. I know the polar opposite of what it is to be disciplined and pursuing of self-growth. So I think that's one of the big things that have, has helped me. Uh, stay on stay on a stay on the the journey that i want to be on mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that journey right now so you are on a songwriter journey oh, trying yes. to be an artist uh, when did songwriting start to come into your consciousness yeah so i i was in choir for four years in high school so i love performing i love being on the stage and like i don't know i have you ever had something where you just love so much that when you're doing it, it's kind of like everything else is not really mm. like, you just can't think about anything else. Like in the moment that was, that was me on stage. That was, that was me on stage performing for other people, singing for other people. Yeah, uh, I know that and, feeling. Well, I had that when I used to be in a band, I had the same feeling. Oh yeah, dude. I'm, yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you can relate with me on that. Cause yeah. Now for me, it's public speaking, just like yeah. being on stage, giving a good speech. Yeah, and thank you, you by the high. way. Yeah, and thank you by the way. I, I remember you, you you brought me into your St. Petersburg to Toastmasters to try it out. So I'm really I'm really grateful for you for that, man. Yeah, man, you're always welcome. Yeah, so so it was definitely that that feeling that really got me into performing. And I picked up guitar at the age of I don't remember what age it was, but it was July 4th. It was July 4th in 2016. Oh hey, uh, four year right? anniversary so, coming up exactly i was at my auntie's house family parties like we mentioned before always with family mm-hmm. uh and then she had this guitar and then I, I just picked it up i taught myself how to play ukulele from one of my friends who had it i taught myself through youtube basically and then i picked it up and i started playing uh, the song called say you won't let go by james arthur it was a really big song at, at that point uh and then I, I started playing it and she's like hey sean we haven't touched that in 13 years you want to take <laughs> it and i was like yeah, I want to take it. So I, I took the guitar home. It was like rusted strings, but like it was my first guitar. So I, I had no idea what it was supposed to sound like. And it was just amazing to me. It was like, it was beautiful to me. And my fingers were like callous. My fingers were getting callous. And at the same time, I would just be playing like a couple hours every day. So that summer I taught myself. And um, yeah, so, so also to provide context on my, my, my family at this point. Uh, yeah, my, my that was at the point where where I was teaching myself as well. My dad had a stroke and I was still getting bullied. And um, like my parents never had the money to pay for like music lessons. So like I had a couple cousins that did like piano lessons, but I never had that, right? So it was always a self-taught kind of thing. And I, I merged that interest, like me just playing guitar with me uh, performing in choir in high school. And I did solos. So what I did was like go to concerts, like maybe there would be like 100 to 500 people in the audience. And then I would, I would play songs like Woman by John Lennon, if you know that. Uh, I started my own band in high school. Oh, you're going to like this. We <laughs> called ourselves Cutting Onions because school made us cry. Oh, so, 
You could do a lot better with the naming, but that's what we had. We threw ourselves together. We we played songs like from Elvis Costello. Uh, we cool. played Reptilia. We played a uh, crazy little thing called Love by Queen. And it was just mm. so fun. We performed in Jingle Bell Rock. Uh, we performed, <laughs> that was my senior year. It was so funny. We performed, at, we performed in all the school assemblies. And since I was also at that time doing the associate student body, it's just like, I just had the opportunity and the privilege to be like, hey, I'm planning this uh, concert. Could, could our band try out and, and perform in there? And so it just happened. Um, and yeah, so taking that to now, how does songwriting play in? Like, honestly, I was really scared to do songwriting uh, before because it was just like, it's just so much easier to just sit in the background and just cover other people's songs and just get better at being a musician. But I, I reached this pivotal junction where uh, in our mentor sessions, there was a session on creativity and Alex Benayan, so such an amazing person uh, in terms of like Agreed. just being an inspiration and just, I don't know, just being a person. Just yeah. going after your dreams. For sure. I, I asked him, yeah, I asked him for advice on creativity and I was like, hey, Alex, I'm doing like an hour of guitar practice a day. And I'm also doing vocal warm-ups for like an hour a day as well. How do I get more creative with it? Because I'm just getting technically better. And I, like, I know my fate, like if I were to just stay on that lane, like there will always be someone that has a better voice than me, like subjectively. And there will always be someone that plays guitar better than me. I know I started at a late age, you know, all, all these different things. How do I make myself stand out? Like what's unique about me? And he was, basically his answer was like, your uniqueness is you. It's like, so, so yeah. he was like, I want you to start songwriting and I want you to take it like 50, I want you to do like 50 songs in 50 days. And he shared this amazing Ed Sheeran quote, which I read every morning. I have it printed out like to the right of me right now. And I, I just read it every single, every single time before I songwrite. And it's basically like songwriting is like a, a dirty tap. You got to just let the water flow by just doing that, that habit or writing songs every single day. And then eventually once all the gunk flows out, there'll be good stuff, like just mm -hmm. small amounts of good stuff. And then eventually, like the great stuff will come out. And it was like the best songs you'll write are going to be five years from now. So I took that and ran with it. Like right now I'm, I'm about to finish day 30. So I have 29 days completed of uh, the 50 days of songwriting. Day 30 is going to be today. And <laughs> um, there's a really great question, which Danny, uh, she asked me, it, she's also in our mentor sessions. Uh, yep, she she's, asked uh, me, I've already got her. She's the first episode. Oh, that is so dope. She's yeah. so amazing. Can't wait to listen to that. Uh, and then she, she asked me the question, like, Sean, so if you just love performing, why do the songwriting? And I just go back to that, that thought I had where it's like, there's not many things that are unique about me, except like just being me, you know? So, so it's like the, the songwriting is just really creative expression. And there's always going to be a room for technical expression as in like getting better at guitar, getting better at vocals. And I still do that every day. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just wanted to find my voice. Not everyone says that, but I just wanted to find my voice. And I'm glad that like, I can inspire people through that way. Uh, I have this mantra where it's like the only things that matter uh, that seem to matter to me are performing and inspiring. So those are like my two, my two so words. If you, can, that, if you can mesh those yeah. then that's the way to do it. Yeah, no, it's really great. And I love how you found, I meet a lot of people. So I started playing when I was 16. The reason I started playing guitar was because my girlfriend was grounded. And we used to play, we used to talk on the phone for three hours every night, even, oh, though, wow. we, even though we went to school together, like uh, one of those teenage loves. And she got grounded, so I had three free hours. <laughs> so oh, I was like, that is dope. So for two weeks, I just sat, learned some songs, 
uh, and just started playing and I never put it down. And having that foundation, I feel like a lot of people go in. I met a lot of people who, especially now uh, around my age, who pick up a guitar and they're like, I'm going to be the next Taylor Swift. I'm going to write songs. But then having to learn the foundation of it makes them so impatient because they're like, oh, why can't I just write songs already? But you already had that foundation from wanting to play covers and be in a cover band and not wanting to write your own songs until later. Yeah. Which is, um, I mean, it's cool. So now you have the foundation, you have everything you need to tie it together. I, I have a really quick question. I have a really quick question. Yeah, go so for it. So it seems like you remember everything so fondly. That's so cool that you're, yeah, you had those three hours. Do you remember the first chord you learned? <laughs> G, I think. G? Oh, G wow, chord, that's, yeah. that's really challenging. Like, I would think it would be like an A chord. Or, or like a, it was a G or the D chord. And then it was really hard. And then I and then I learned uh, I was like D A E D D A E G kind of that kind of whole four chord thing because I was yeah. trying to learn I was trying to learn Hey There Delilah so D was definitely because that was like yeah. the song that was her favorite yeah. song so I was trying to learn it for her uh, when she stopped yeah. being grounded I could play for her. <laughs> uh, you're 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 such a romantic I'm man. Slick. You too. Slick. Yeah, you are slick. You're like three <laughs> hours. Okay. All right. We got this. And of course, YouTube was like pretty young back then. It was it was like 20, 2007. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there was some stuff, but yeah, I mean, just going at it and learning those chords. And then nah, then I ended up in a couple bands and songwriting and that. And it's just, uh, so I love for you that you have that foundation because I, f- I just kind of relate to that kind of how the foundation I had to. Yeah. We went from like just learning for fun to learning to songwrite. So talk about, this is one thing I find so interesting with you is that when I was 18, I couldn't commit to anything and mm. I couldn't, I had the worst um, attention span to where if I sat down and I go, okay, I'm going to do a 50 day challenge, I'd get through three days and then that's it. So how do you, how do you push yourself to, you're on day 30, how do you push yourself to, to keep going? This is really funny. It, it's, it's really fun because I, I learn best through action as well. So I, I really, I had those moments where I, I've done challenges and I didn't really commit to them and I didn't really know why, but I've been doing challenges like, like my first big challenge that I can remember. And I think this will help do the, res- yeah, help understand everything was a 66 day challenge by the guys at Yes Theory. And they were like, we want you to build six habits in 66 days. And I was like, wow, that's the biggest challenge I've ever done. Sometimes people do like one habit for 66 days. But I was like, you know what? Let me see if I can do six habits for 66 days. And this is the first biggest challenge I've ever done. It was huge. Uh, And basically, so if you can see right here, I know, I know the listeners can't see it, but I had this, I was in this house. So I had this, I had this huge chart of 66 boxes for six rows, uh, 66 columns and six Mm -hmm. boxes. Ah, six six columns 66 boxes and every day i would have to look at it right so the biggest thing that that gave me was accountability i i would look every single day and since i already defined my my habits i think i, I can still remember them write journal i mean journal read meditate work on sats because i was taking the sats uh and then exercise and then one last thing play guitar yeah so those are my six habits and it kind of sounds like the savers from Miracle Morning. Yeah, it, it's really similar, which is like, and I didn't know about the savers beforehand. So maybe that's what meshed in so well. Mm. And so 
yeah. And so basically I, I did those 66 habits for 66 days and like some days I would miss one, some days I would miss two. And it was like, I would color a, ba- a box black or red. Right. And so there was no escaping for me. It was right on my door and I had to look at it every single morning. And that one thing just gave me so many ideas where it's like, what if I just kept myself accountable? Like there's, there's really nothing much to it except for doing it and, and being accountable. And all the time that I would take to think about like, Oh, am I going to do it today? Or is like, is it too hard for me? Like I could just put towards like doing it. And, and, and then like all, and then everything could kind of like be boiled down to, did you do it today? Yes or no. And do you have a tracker for it? So it's literally those two components. And so how I stay, how I stay accountable right now is like, for example, I'm just showing you this. I have the check marks for the 66, the the 50 days of songwriting. And I also have this document that I use on a notion and it's notions basically platform for it's like Evernote. <laughs> this is the best way I find to explain it. It's like Evernote, but it's like upgraded. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <Evernote>. It's like <laughs> a sexy, sleek, minimalist Evernote. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say this Evernote. You were my first love, <laughs> but that, that's what Notion is to me. And I created this accountability system where every day I check it in morning and night. And I also do like, uh, like a version of affirmations on there too. So I check it every morning and night. And it's just like, it's, just like the yes or no things. Like, did you work out today? Yes or no. Uh, and then I track what workouts I did. So I actually have, I actually have workouts being tracked from as early as April of this year. That's when I started really using notion. So I have like, since the beginning of quarantine, quarantine, and I've, I've probably, I followed a two day rule, which is like, I got it from Matt Diavella, a YouTuber minimalist himself. Uh, and then it's, it's just like, you know, don't miss a workout two days in a row. And it's also talked about in atomic habits, I think too. So mm-hmm. I just, did that. And I haven't really missed, I, I have one, I had one time where I missed a workout, missed working out like three days in a row. But that apart from that, I've been working out every single day and that's how I keep myself accountable. So I have a daily accountability system that I work out with myself. And I, I think that's the important part. Like you can, you can always have an accountability partner. And I think it's cool, I guess, to start out, but like really the only person you're going to answer to at the end of the day is yourself. So it's, that's, that's one thing where it was like, I think I've got down and I think that's the, the key to my own success. Uh, and everything that I've been doing thus far is accountability to myself. Mm, that's strong. Yeah. That's powerful. All right, Kishan. Well, at the end of every one of these, I do what you've taught me, which is <laughs> the greatest gift. I've done it every episode. Talk about where you, where you learned it. And uh, I, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. So tell me how to do it right. that's so funny okay yeah so basically the greatest gift i got this from john burgoff so to to connect the dots uh personal development miracle morning went to the event we talked about earlier best year ever blueprint Mm -hmm. and then i third doored my way in because i was not supposed to be at that event it's it was supposed to cost like a couple thousand dollars uh love it yeah yeah to that to that workshop with john burgoff and then he's a he's a huge guy on questions he loves great questions and i learned so much from him and I think we were on, this was, yeah, we, we were at the event and then he was like, he gave us things called paired interviews. So we would talk to another member and at the end he would say like, okay, at the end of each paired interview, like getting to know someone else, just tell, just tell them like, Hey, the greatest gift you gave me today was blank. And it's a way for me to compliment people. Makes me, makes me feel good. Makes them feel good. It's so it's a way for me to 
receive compliments, which is like an even, it's like a delicate art because I was always get complimented in high school about like my performances. And then I would just be like shy, you know, I would like, I, I wouldn't know how to take it. And then I realized other people face that too. <laughs> so yeah, I decided absolutely. to bring this. Yeah, at any age, at any age, there's so many people I know, my mom's friends in their 50s, I can't take a compliment. So it's, it's not even, you don't even grow out of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. So yeah, so I decided to make it really prevalent in all my calls with all my friends and business conversations and whatnot. So the main three focuses are giving compliments, receiving compliments, and just spreading gratitude and joy. So that's, that's another component. It, it really brings you to the only conversation to the present conversation that you're having. Cause you can't, you can't be thinking about something else and then just telling people what you enjoyed about your conversation. You have to be present. And I love, I love that aspect of being hyper present. And so those are the three things, three reasons why I do them and also why you do them. And I'm, I'm really glad you're doing them. Uh, and so I learned it from John Berghoff. Those are the three reasons and basically how, how to, how to best do it is just to like gently introduce it at the end of each conversation where like, here, here's how I do it. Uh, so it was like, you know, I, I really enjoyed this call and I want to wrap this call up. And like, I, I love our conversation and I just wanted to propose like a little experiment or like activity. I call it the greatest gift. And basically what it is, is like, I, I would say like, Hey James, uh, you know, I really enjoy the conversation. The greatest gift you gave me today was blank. And it always has to start with the prompt. The greatest gift you gave me today was blank. Cause it just frames everything in such a unique gratitude the way and that that's how i bring it in every single conversation and then i always open it up to be like uh, it's optional if you want to like you know like throw it back at me like that would that would be cool if it, if it makes you feel good and 100 percent of the time at least for my conversations it's it's been like a, a throwback kind of thing so it's it's really great to it's really great to to have it and just to appreciate someone in that way to let someone know that they're appreciated absolutely that's a big thing. well Keyshawn, the greatest gift you gave me today was well first of all your energy love your energy it always just makes me smile but second was your ability to overcome adversity being bullied be having your friends on the same page but you still continuing with your journey that you knew was right for you and continuing to continue with this journey that you know is right for you i think that's something that a lot of people can't say they've done i think a lot of people have fallen into a trap i know i did when i was 18 i kind of fell into a trap so seeing you shine like this I'm absolutely excited for your future. I think all of us are. So oh. that, thank you for that. Man, James, you bring a smile to my face too. So ah. thank you for that, man. Uh, I, I also want to say that the greatest gift you gave me today was just like, like the, I love sharing experiences with performing with other people. So to know, like that was a, a really special gift where where you could relate with me on the the musician journeys that we've been on. Uh, and, and also like just having this platform where we get to share our stories. And I know that you're doing so much good uh, by sharing everyone's story and just producing these podcasts. And I know it's in your future as well. Uh, it's just, it's just so cool. And I just want to say thank you for having this platform. It's, it's just really fun. And this is the first podcast I think I've ever been formally interviewed on. Ooh, so thank you for that gift. First for everything. Of first of many. First of many. Exactly. Absolutely. First of many. You can learn more about Keyshawn on his Instagram at Keyshawn Tran, Q-U-I-S-H-A-W-N-T-R-A-N. If you like this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. 
Now the greatest gift you gave me today is your time, attention, and open mind. Keep ascending.